Good morning, church. Good morning. Man, between that worship and an intro video, I'm feeling a little hyped up. Uh, I mean, man, that background vocal got me going. So anyway, so I'm so glad to be back with you guys. It's been a little while since we've been together, since I've had the opportunity to speak to you guys. It's totally my honor. I'm so glad to be here this morning. And we are continuing in our study of the names of God. And I'm not going to lie to you, as I walked through studying this this week, uh, it hit me really hard. The name that I was charged to bring you with, uh, not only did it hit me hard, I think it's going to hit us hard because it is more than just a name or a characteristic of God. You see, the other names of God are characteristics of Jehovah or God. Uh, and the things that, of those names are things we can lean into, we can rely on when we're walking in our faith. But the name of God that we're going to be talking about this week is not only a characteristic of God that we can rely on, but it is also a call to action for us. So before we dive into, did, into today's message, I think it's important that we recap the names that we've already talked about in this series. First of all, we talked about Jehovah-Rohi, which is the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah-Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah-Rapha, the Lord is our healer. Jehovah-Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah-Shema, the Lord is here. And this week, we're going to be talking about Jehovah-Nisi, the Lord is our banner. So I want to start off by saying, it's a little bit off topic, but I think it's, a, it's something that we need to talk about. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, which is the prayer that the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? How do you talk to your heavenly father? Teach us how to pray. He starts that prayer out by saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So in other words, he's saying, father, I recognize you are above me. You are watching over me and your name is to be kept holy and set apart from all other names. And Jesus starts off his prayer by praising God for who he is using his name. So before I dive into the name Jehovah Nisi this morning, I want to encourage you to consider using these names in your daily prayer life. Use them all. Use them specifically over what you're praying about that day. Use them in prayer however you feel led. But most importantly, remember that the name of God is powerful and holy. So let's pray before we begin this morning. Dear Lord, Jehovah Roe, our shepherd, our provider, Shalom, our peace, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness, Jehovah Shema, you are here with us. Lord, this morning, I pray that in your name, battles would be won in this room. Lord, I pray that you would move in this room. I pray that you would give me the words to speak and take me out of it and put you at the center. Lord, we praise you, we love you, and it's in your wonderful name we pray, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 17. Uh, it's going to be a minute before I get back there, but I want to give you guys some context about where we're at here in Exodus. And as many of you guys know, the story of Exodus is the story of God's chosen people, the Israelites, being led out of slavery in Egypt. Early on in the book, we discover a character, of course, named Moses. And God chooses him to set his people free. And now God gives him this staff. And if you remember, he sent Moses at one point to Pharaoh where he was confronted with Pharaoh's priests or his, his uh, spiritual leaders. And these priests came to Moses and they threw their staffs down and their staffs turned into snakes. And then Moses turned around and threw his staff down and this staff turned into a snake that devoured all the others. Then that still was not enough to convince Pharaoh that God had sent him to 
release God's chosen people, the Israelites. So after a few plagues and a few different events that happened, eventually the Israelites were led out of Egypt. And as they fled Egypt, they were being chased by the Egyptian army who was hot on their trail. And the only problem was they became trapped. You see, in front of them as they were running, they had the Red Sea, and behind them they had a fully armed Egyptian army and chasing them down. So again, with the staff, Moses walks up to the Red Sea, raises the staff, and God parts the Red Sea in front of them as they cross over on dry land. The Egyptians chase behind them, and so as the Bible says, after they had reached the other side, God brought the waters back down and destroyed the army of Egypt. So the Israelites at this point, where we are here, are wandering through the desert, and they have come upon the land of Rephidim, where they are about to face their first battle. So let's pick up in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. It says this, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua and did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And when he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay, so now you can see why I had to give you all the context about this staff and Moses. And that same staff that devoured the serpents in front of Pharaoh, the same staff that parted the Red Sea, was the same staff that symbolized the power of God to Israel. So Moses took that staff to the highest hilltop near the battlefield, and he held it up over the Israelites as they faced the Amalekites. And now hear me out. The staff itself was probably nothing more than a wooden stick. But to the people of Israel, it represented that God time and time again provided for his children. We know this about the character of God. We just got done talking about Jehovah Jireh a couple weeks ago, the God, God is our provider. He freed the Egyptians from slavery. He destroyed their enemies behind them. He fed them in the wilderness when they had no food. He gave them water to drink when they were dying of thirst. And because of that, they walked into this battle with the Amalekites, declaring the Lord as their banner. So if you look back at verse 9, Moses tells Joshua that they are going into battle. They're going to do this. And the Amalekites are the first people to attack the Israelites since their exodus from Egypt. As we know throughout Scripture, this continues to be a theme from here on out. But this is the first people to attack the Israelites since they left Egypt. So notice here that God doesn't direct his people to tuck their tails and run away. He doesn't call them to hunker down and take the beating. Instead, he calls them to fight, to go out, to stand their ground against the Amalekites. He has not brought them this far just to run off again. So Moses is standing on top of this hill with the staff in his hands, with his hands raised, and there's only one problem. 
the battle starts to take a really long time and his arms grow weak. How many of you guys have ever tried to hold your arms up for very long, right? After about five minutes, if you're like, okay, this is burning a little bit, 10 minutes, I can't go much longer, 15 minutes, you gotta put your arms down. It's exhausting. It doesn't look like it is, but it is. So that's what happened to Moses, and Moses decided he was gonna take a break, and he looked down on the battlefield as he lowered his arms, and he noticed the Israelites were now losing the battle. So he raised his arms back up again, and they started to win. And I'm sure at some point he made the realization that he is not going to be able to do this forever on his own. So his friends, Aaron and Hur, came alongside Moses. They gave him a rock to sit on, and they began to help him hold up his arms until the battle was won. But here is the really important part of this passage. It is verse 13 through 16 of that passage we just read. If you're a note taker, go ahead and mark that down. Exodus uh, chapter 17, verses 13 through 16 says, And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek with his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, or Jehovah Nissi, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So, now that we've got a better picture, let's talk about what a Nisi is, or rather a banner, what it looked like during that time. I kind of assumed from movies and different things that it was probably a flag of some sort that maybe a few different people in the army carried. But, and, that, and that's kind of partially true as they would march towards their enemies on the battlefield. But that isn't the full description of what a Nisi is or was. A Nisi was a very large piece of wood or reflective metal that had the symbol of your people, the sign of your country or the god that you worshipped or something like that painted on it or inscribed on it. And the person, or most likely persons, because we're talking about a large thing here, that were carrying this into battle would go in front of the army or they would hold it above the army if it was a large banner. So before your enemy could see you from afar, see how many of you there were, or see what weapons you were carrying. Before any of that, the first thing that they saw was the Nisi. And that's where the symbolism of the name Jehovah Nisi comes from. When we use the name Jehovah Nisi, we are declaring that the Lord goes before us and he is over us. And furthermore, when we use this name to call on our Heavenly Father, we are handing the battle to him. How many times... This kills me. How many times do we have to say or sing the words, the battle belongs to you, Lord, until we truly let him go before us? It is in his character to do so. That is why he got the name Jehovah Nisi. But all too often, we either rush headfirst into our battles or we tuck our tails and we run away from them. And if we're going to declare the Lord as our banner, then we have to let the Lord go before us before we decide to run away or foolishly act too quickly. After researching this story heavily over the past week or two, um, and the story of the Israelites fighting with the Amalekites, there are a ton of different commentaries out there. There are hundreds of different writings from different theologians who all have different takes on the significance of this passage. Uh, one writer that I found said something very profound. The commentary said this, he said, we will all face Amalekites in our life. The writer didn't say much after that, so I want us to dissect that a little bit 
It was such a good little sentence there. We have to talk about it. Many of you know that the story of the Exodus was prophesying or foreshadowing how Jesus Christ in the New Testament would deliver his people from the bondage of sin and death and how Christ would ultimately lead his people into the promised land, heaven. So maybe, we're talking about prophecy here, so maybe, just maybe, the Lord is giving us an example of the Amalekites so that we would know how to face modern-day battles as Christians. Modern-day battles like addiction, divorce, abuse, job loss, politics, disputes with family and friends, financial troubles, and everything and all things in between. As people who have asked Christ into our hearts, we can claim that the Lord is our banner. We can march onto the battlefield against the Amalekites in our life and trust that the character of God is to go before us and to watch over us. There is no battle too big or too small to ask the Lord to go before you in it. And this continues to bring us back to Psalm 23, I think each week that we've talked about the names of God, we keep coming back here to give you some context, which I think we talked about in week one. David, the writer of this psalm, uh, uses every name of God given in the Old Testament to formulate this prayer, if you will. And so we're going to read it here. It's Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, with an emphasis on verse 5. We'll read it together. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's look back real quick at an emphasis here on what David says about Jehovah Nisi in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jehovah Nisi, he goes before us to defend us, to empower us, to give us strength to fight our biggest battles. And I have to reiterate something that Rick Loy said a few weeks ago because I think it is so profound. The verse goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Rick pointed out that during the writing of this psalm, it was customary to literally fill your dinner guest's cup until it overflowed, to show them that they were that welcome. You wanted them at your table so bad that you were willing to waste your finest drink. So not only does the Lord go before us in our battles, he wants to be there with us. In the midst of your darkest hour, I don't care what it is, the Lord still desires to be there with you. That is the character of our God, Jehovah Nissi. The name Jehovah Nissi came out of a military conflict, meaning that it's military language. This is the name that a divine warrior would give to God. So I know this, some of you are probably thinking, well, I'm not a pastor, I wouldn't consider myself a divine warrior, I hardly ever go to church, any of the above. So this big spiritual battle that you're talking about, what do you think I'm going to be facing? I know some of y'all are thinking that, and I get that, but you need to listen to this. 
The people that were on that battlefield facing the Amalekites, they didn't have titles either. They were nobody other than people fighting for their lives, their children, their marriages, and their freedom. And in a similar way, we face those same battles every single day. All of those modern day battles I just talked about, addiction, divorce, poverty, health, all those things, they are all out to steal the exact same thing that the Amalekites wanted to steal from the Israelites. And the the reason that that is true is because we are facing the same enemy today that they were back then. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Paul writes this, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The key verse in this passage for today is verse 12, which says that the battle is not of flesh and blood. Meaning that the battle that the Israelites faced against the Amalekites was not just a physical conflict. It was not just a physical battle. There was a bigger battle going on. A battle between good and evil, darkness and light, heaven and hell. And the same goes for your battles. Although your battles probably will not be fought with a sword and a shield, I get that. That is why Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. Not just a physical armor, but a spiritual armor. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes that represent the knowledge of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me ask you a question. This requires some hand raising, all right? How many of y'all have heard the phrase, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Who's heard that, right? Okay, so here's the thing. That is not scripture. That is purely a man-made anecdote. I want you to know that right out the gate. I'm not trying to put words in the book that aren't there. But the path to hell is paved with good intentions. We've all heard that. Uh, So here's a rhetorical question. This doesn't require hand raising. How many of us have good intentions of fighting our battles but we run away from them time and time again. Tomorrow, I will give up my drug of choice. Tomorrow, I will talk to my wife about the hardships we're facing in our marriage. Tomorrow, I will talk to my student about their behavior and what it's going to look like. Tomorrow, I will talk to that person I've been avoiding conflict with because I just know it's not gonna turn out the way I want to. Tomorrow, I will give up my addiction. Tomorrow, I will, you fill in the blank. We think that we have good intentions, but we are letting the enemy win every single day. 
that we don't decide to stand and fight these battles with the Lord as our banner. Moses did not hesitate in Exodus chapter 17 to tell Joshua to take up arms. He didn't say, hey guys, let's run away and see if they leave us alone. He knew that they wouldn't and that it wouldn't be that easy. And I also, one time I heard a pastor point something out I think is pretty brilliant. He said that when Paul talks about the full armor of God in that passage in Ephesians, there is nothing mentioned about something to cover your back. There is no cape of such and such to defend you from behind. So when we run away from our battles, we are vulnerable because your back is exposed. And the Lord has called us to stand and fight knowing that he is with us. Our battles are not of flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil that surround us on all sides. And since the battle is not of flesh and blood, that means that it cannot be won with a sword. It can be won with the only weapon that we have, prayer. And church, I hope you can hear me in this, we have to stop running. We have to. It is time to face our enemies. We must become a church who prays. If we claim to be a church that is willing to do whatever it takes, then we must also be a church who is willing to pray. I'm not talking about just praying in church on Sunday or at life groups. I am talking about real, intentional, wartime prayer. Time devoted to prayer. You, not your neighbor, not your pastor, you. Real time spent in prayer for others. And uh, I'm the student pastor here, as Scott made mention, and I can't help but think about our students when I was writing through this. Do you realize the mental health crisis that is happening in our students all across Nashville and really our world? Are we praying that the Lord would go before us in this? What about the divorce rate? The opioid crisis, COVID, cancer, job loss, poverty. Do we really think that these issues aren't right in our backyard? Here's the thing I can tell you, just in my short time as a church, as a church staff member, I can tell you that these issues are happening in this room, without a doubt. Will we be a church that declares the Lord is our banner and stand up to these battles, or will we tuck our tails and we run away from them? I hope that you hear my heart in this. I'm not condemning us, I promise you. I'm calling us into action for the hearts and the lives of the people inside this room and outside of this room. What would our community look like if we, the fellowship, were willing to pray daily over the battles that Donaldson, Hermitage, Old Hickory is facing? Are we willing to suit up, to put on the full armor of God and get into the trenches with people in this community who are facing battles that they cannot fight alone? I can promise you this. When Moses stood on that hill, looking down at the battlefield, with Aaron on one side and her on the other, holding up his hands, he was praying for his people. Moses needed the lesson that he couldn't do it alone. He needed Aaron and her. And we are not called to fight alone. Paul knew that he couldn't do it all alone. And that's why he goes on in Ephesians chapter 6 to ask for prayer. 
That's why he asked for it. He knows the importance. He knows he can't do it alone. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, at the end of that armor of God passage, Paul goes on to say, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew that he couldn't do it alone. He knew that this battle was too big for any one man. And each and every one of us should be seeking out this support from our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be praying for our pastors, our elders, our staff, because I'll tell you this, the battle is difficult and it is never ending It is all around us on all sides. And if we aren't praying for those people, they will lose the battle. Even when Jesus was in the garden, the night that he would be arrested and ultimately sentenced to death on the cross, he asked his friends to stay awake and pray. Brian Early and I, Brian Early is a student pastor at the Mount Juliet campus at our other campus, and we always ask for prayer before any big student event that we have. And from time to time, not time to time, all the time, when we go to these events, because we've asked for prayer, we've asked the Lord to go ahead of us, we see battles being fought and won time and time again in the hearts and lives of our students. And I need you to hear this, it has nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing. But rather, the Lord going before us the church, you lifting our arms through prayer and our volunteers getting into the trenches with these students, being willing to come alongside them and fighting their battles together. It happened just last week. We asked for prayer over camp. The Lord went before us. Our volunteers came and walked with our students and ultimately now 14 students have given their life to Christ because of what happened at that camp. pray. We have to. We must. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says right there, it says it is the will of God for us to pray without ceasing. We must be a church who prays, and we must be a church that carries God's banner before us. And as the band makes their way back up here today, I want to remind you that Jehovah Nisi, our God, desires to go into battle with you. We must stand and fight. He is willing and he is ready to go before you in your biggest battle. Listen, battles like your job, your drug addiction, your family, your divorce, your marriage, your insecurity, your failures, your life. He is ready and willing to walk into battle with you. It's time to stop fighting alone, and it's time for you to let the people in this room lift your arms in your battles. We're all facing the same enemy. I don't care what your battle is, we're all facing the same enemy. So this morning, as we close and the band leads us in one last song. I want to invite you to the foot of the stage, to the altar, to fight in prayer. I'll fight with you. The others in this room will fight with you. 
You are not called to fight alone. If your battle is so big and you are worn out and you know that that battle that's in front of you cannot be faced without a God like the one we're talking about this morning and you haven't ever asked that God, Jehovah Nisi, to be in your life, this is the morning to do it, to lay the battle down, to give up and place it before the Lord. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. He goes before us. He is over us. So as the band plays this morning, I invite you to come to the altar. Lay it down. Fight. Church members, fight with them. And if you need to give your heart to God this morning and give him the battle, come chat with me. I'll be over to the side. I love you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people in this room. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. I pray as we close in worship that you would just give us a focus to declare you as our banner, to take your names and your character and lay it before you as praise. Lord, we recognize who you are, what you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray this morning that you would break hearts and you would win battles. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.